Welcome to OECD Podcast, where policy meets people. Artificial intelligence played a big role in the COVID-19 pandemic, from hastening diagnoses to supporting contract tracing and more. The pandemic has already shown us the benefits of AI in healthcare, but what more can it do? What are the limits to using artificial intelligence in healthcare, and how can we ensure that it's trustworthy? I'm Robin Allison Davis, and you're listening to OECD Podcast. This episode is the first in a series on artificial intelligence brought to you by the OECD Global Parliamentary Network and the European Parliament's Panel for the Future of Science and Technology, also known as STOA. Artificial intelligence also comes with a fair amount of concerns. Lina Gavez Munoz, Spanish member of the European Parliament, speaks on her work and the importance of legislation in AI. At the European Parliament, we are working on legislation such as Data Governance Act or Artificial Intelligence Act to unlock the potential of data and artificial intelligence, but making sure that fundamental rights and EU values are respected. This pieces of legislation aim at increasing trust and facilitating data sharing, which will be crucial to advance in medical research while protecting data privacy. We are working towards a convergent digital single market, which has accelerated with the pandemic and where medicine is more personalized and where healthcare systems need to be smarter. To do so justly, we must ask ourselves about the fairness and accountability behind algorithms and about the quality of data. In this regard, a problem has been identified extensively at Data poverty pointed out in April 2021 by The Lancet, which means that individuals and groups of population are not represented or were represented. For example, dermatology algorithms for skin cancer detection work better for light skin than dark skin because the biopsy databases do not have sufficient dark skin representation. This bias also occurs based on gender, and the best sample for all these heart attacks, which follow the male symptom patterns. And we know that the symptoms in women are very different. In this sense, it is also necessary to work on digital literacy so that citizens understand how the systems affect them. In short, artificial intelligence can have many beneficial applications, especially in healthcare, but as regulators, we have to take into account their societal impacts and to develop digital legislation that puts people in the sun. To tell us more about the beneficial applications of AI that MP Galvez mentioned, I'm speaking with Karim Lekadir, head of EU Can Image, a four-year AI research project aimed at making advances in oncology. The project has 20 partners across 11 countries and has received nearly 10 million in funding. Thanks for joining me today, Karim. Thank you very much for your invitation. What is the overall importance of using AI in healthcare? What can it provide us that existing technology can't? We may revolutionize healthcare. And the reason is that there are challenges at the moment in healthcare. Artificial intelligence solution will help us do what at the moment humans find it difficult to do, either need a lot of time or resources to do, or can't even do properly. So, for example, something they can do that takes a lot of resources is to analyze image data. So when a person goes into a scan, for example, a brain scan or the scan of a liver or prostate, so a volume comes out, an image volume comes out of it, and typically a radiologist has to go and draw the different 
areas, the organs, the tissues, the lesions that the radiologist wants to quantify. This is time consuming. And because there is a lack of healthcare resources, problems with healthcare sustainability, if we could reduce those costs by using artificial intelligence solution that could give us results in one second that normally takes, say, one hour, that's already something that is useful. Another area where artificial intelligence would be useful is to do things that humans struggle to do. For example, perform diagnosis. There's a lot of missing diagnosis. Some people have cancer, they don't know it, or it's early stage, and eventually they know about it when symptoms appear, particularly when, when severe symptoms. If we could shift that diagnosis into an early stage through using advanced technologies such as artificial intelligence, it would be great. And then I will finish maybe with another example, which is very important, is to choose the treatment to apply to a given patient. So a person that has cancer, there are many ways to treat that person. There are many strategies, regimens. Which one do we try? At the moment, a lot of it is based on experience and also trial and error. We try this approach. It didn't work. Let's try another one. But once you try something, it takes months before you know whether it worked or not. And this is, these are months that are lost because the disease is progressing meanwhile. If we could use artificial intelligence to look at past data, a lot of data of people who have been treated successfully and also those who are interested and successfully with certain treatment regimen, we could then predict what specific treatment should be applied to that particular person that has specific genetic material, specific tissue characteristic, organ characteristic, and so on. You're working on the You Can Image project, a 10 million euro project in partnership with the European Commission. Can you explain what this project aims to do? So You Can Image is a project that is funded by the European Commission to facilitate the development of artificial intelligence solution to improve cancer care. Now, cancer care is difficult. It's difficult to diagnose cancers early and it's difficult to apply the right treatment for the right person. Artificial intelligence may help us diagnose early these cancers and apply the right treatment. But for that, we need big data. We need a lot of data so these artificial intelligence solutions can learn to predict the right diagnosis and the right treatment. And that's what you can image will do. You can image will build a data platform that will link different hospitals, different data hubs across Europe. So the developers of AI solutions in the future will be able to request access to this data and then leverage this data to build AI solution from big data that are robust, that are clinically safe, that are fair, free of bias, and they are usable in the real world. And the more there is access to data, the better this artificial intelligence solution will be. So in summary, you can image will provide this platform. And in addition, it will be secure, privacy preserving, and will be compliant with existing regulations such as the general data protection regulation. What you can image 
will do is actually take these data sets that come from these scanners that you mentioned, from MRI, from CT, from PET, that at the moment sit in hospitals and are not used to improve patient care. They are almost frozen. They sit in a hospital, but they could be useful if they could be shared. And you can image will allow to improve the sharing of this data <clears throat> such that the AI developers will be able to access this PET scan, MRI scan, and CT scans at large scale. So it's a lot of relying on the data and algorithms. Are there any risks doing that without having kind of the human curation? Yes, indeed. The AI depends a lot on the data. Data has been referred to as the oil of the 21st century because it's really important. And the quality of the AI, to a certain extent, depends on the data and also on the algorithm and the way it was developed and evaluated. So there are risks. There are risks. One of the risks is that it doesn't work. One of the risks is that it's unfair, that it's not treating different patient subgroups, for example, men and women in the same way, depending on the sort of data that was used to build those AI models. So one of the recommendations that was made in different circles, including by the European Commission, is to build a mechanism for human oversight, is to keep the human as part of the system. Another way to avoid systems that are fully autonomous, with no way to control whether the AI tool has made a mistake or was affected by the sort of data that it was given to, etc. And this is something that now researchers are looking into how to keep the human, or the, well, in this case, the clinician, the healthcare professional as part of the system and to identify those potential errors and then use that knowledge to, wait to then improve the AI tool for the future so it doesn't make the same mistakes again. There's a lot of skepticism and concern around AI, particularly in healthcare. What's your response to the skeptics? I understand as an AI researcher that sometimes there is a bit of skepticism and maybe some concern regarding AI. These are valid concerns. This is a new technology, technology that is promising, but also a technology that has implications in the real life. For example, it may have implications for doctors that suddenly will need to work with the new technologies. Initially, for example, doctors were worried that they would lose their jobs, for example, that the AI would replace them. Now I think they're starting to understand that that's not the case, that AI will help them. So that we need to go through this process of identifying these risks and concern and addressing them, explaining them, clarifying them, and in a highly collaborative manner, interdisciplinary manner, by involving all actors involving researchers, industries, clinicians, citizens, governments, and so on, and address all these concerns on this risk in a way that AI becomes an asset and that everybody trusts it and sees it as something that is actually useful. This is something that has been done with other technologies throughout the history. There were always concerns when new technologies were proposed. But going through this process is, is a natural thing and something that will come to great benefits, I think, for society. Where do you see AI going in the future, specifically in healthcare? Yeah, so in the near future, I see more transfer into a clinical practice because at the moment, it's still really early stage. So at the moment, I would say in general, one of the problems is that there is a lack of trust 
So I would say moving towards trustworthy AI for very sort of routine uh, clinical tasks, such as diagnosis, treatment. And then in the future, we'll move into other applications. We can imagine that AI will be used, for example, in surgery, in areas such as in administration to improve the allocation of resources and so on. So there is still a lot of work to do, a lot of potential over the next many years. And we just need to do this as a society as a whole by involving citizens and patients and also the, the clinicians to make sure that what we develop is useful, is ethical and, and trustworthy. I know that robotic surgery has started in a number of hospitals. I know in 10 Irish hospitals, actually, they've been using it. Is that something that you see becoming more commonplace worldwide? Or is there a lot more that needs to be established with that? So, yeah, AI in surgery is very important because it will improve the precision of the surgery and it will improve the personalization of the surgeries to make sure that they adapt to the characteristics of the patient. And it's already being used. It's being used to improve the way the surgeons use their tools. It's being used also the way the surgeons can see the information, particularly in the minimal invasive surgery. The information comes from the, the videos, for example, that look into inside of the organs. So that already exists. Robotic surgery is another thing, because here you will have some sort of robotic instruments that will help or in some cases perform the surgeries. So here again, we come back to the previous point. It depends on how the level of autonomy of these robots performing the surgery is. If it is to help the surgeons, then this will be done quite soon. If it's fully autonomous, then for that, we need a bit more time, I believe, and more research to make sure that they are safe. Thank you. I think this has been a great discussion on AI. Thank you so much for speaking with me. Thank you very much for your invitation. To learn more about EU Can Image, go to their website, eucanimage.eu. To learn more about the European Parliament's Panel for the Future of Science and Technology's work on AI, go to STOA at the European Parliament's website. To learn more about the OECD work on AI, go to oecd.ai. To listen to other OECD podcasts, find us on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and soundcloud.com slash OECD.